October 27th, 2021. Uh, tonight's class I entitled The Balancing Act. If you recall, the last two classes in this, let's call it series, what we discussed initially in the class that was entitled A Brave New World was how the life that we live, as the Torah describes it to us, as we know, is this life of tov ra, which means to say we don't live in, in, in a world of objective truths. We live in a world of humanity. We have to deal with constructs of human beings. We have to deal with a world which is not so simple as to be being black and white as it was for Adam and Hava prior to eating from the tree before their banishment from the garden. But then last week we talked about this, the path or finding the path to, de, to the Eta Hayim, talked about how there are those moments and those times and those spaces in world in this in this world as we know it and as we experience it of absolute or close to absolute emet and It's when you study Torah, just take that sheet as well, Joe. I'm sloppy on my part. Uh, there's, the, uh, there's the Shabbat experience, there's the Torah, Talmud Torah experience, there's the Mishkan and so forth. That's an opportunity to see and to live emet and sheker within this world. So what I want to do- discuss and deliberate and, uh, up, uh, upon and to develop is, well, how do you balance those two? If the world that we live in is a world of tov and ra, so then what sort of perspective are we supposed to have? It's true, we'll have glimpses of emet and sheker, but generally speaking, how do you balance a perspective which on the one hand has me focused on arriving at emet and sheker, understanding, let's call it, truths, while at the same time balancing that with reality as I know it, that's the world of Tov and Ra. So it's, it's a tall order, and the way I'll do it is, I hope, somewhat creative and maybe informative. I'll begin with the first pasuk in the Torah, returning to it again. The first pasuk in the Torah describes creation, Bereshit bara Elohim et without explaining all the words, without explaining most of the words, we'll just focus on those last three words, or last four words, et the order in the pasuk is first the heavens, and then the earth, shamaim, and then eretz. Um, if you look in Perek Bet, Pasuk Dalit, in source number two, immediately after finishing the seventh day, when we have Vaychal Elohim, Pasuk Dalit describes something else. It brings us into the story in greater detail of Adam and Hava. And it begins with, So those initial words don't pose any contradiction. It's Shamaim and Aretz. But then the next and last words, Beyom Asot Adonai Elohim, Eres v'shamayim, the order is flipped. Now, of course, you need not be too particular if you're a Pashtan, if you're not reading it through the prism of the rabbis of the Gemara, for example. You'll say that the Pasuk went from Shamaim and Aretz, and then it picked up on the one that it left off on, that's Aretz, so it concludes with Eres v'shamayim as well. In other words, it's not a blatant contradiction, but it's not the way Bet Shamayim Bet Hilel and Masechet Hagiga understand it. There, on Daf Yod Bet, in source number three, there's a Mahloket. Hanura Banan means it's a Beraita. Bet Shamayim Omrim Shamayim Nivru'u Tehila Vahakach Nivreta Aretz. Bet Shamayim's opinion, uh, much, uh, much in line with what appears to be their name, Shamay, maybe Milashon Sham, Milashon Shamayim, they envision the world as beginning with the heavens and only then being uh, the creation of land. What's their proof text? Well, it's the first, first pasuk in the Torah, source number one, Bereshit bara Elohim, et ha-shamayim et disagree. What's their proof text that Eretz uh, pre- precedes Shamaim? Very easy. It's source number two. It's Bereshit Perik Bet, Pasuk Dalet. Right? Each one of them point to a Pasuk. Neither one of them denies the other's Pasuk. So really, what are they debating, ultimately speaking? They then give Mishalim to support their opinions. Bet Hillel turns to Bet Shammai and says, is it really possible that you build the attic of the home prior to building the home, that the heavens precede the land? Say Bet to Bet is it really possible that a person would make, and in turn God would make, would create a shrafraf, that uh, resting place for the feet, prior to creating the, uh, the chair? That's the pasuk in the Haftarah. Many of us are familiar with Hashamayim Kis'i, the heavens are the seed, v'ha'aretz adom raglai. So if the land is the resting place for the feet of God, are you really going to tell me he created the resting place for his feet prior to creating his throne in the heavens. All right, so that's the debate. What are they debating about? Are they really discussing? Are they really disagreeing? 
uh, about um, mitziut, about what happened historically. Is that their debate? After all, each of them can and will point to a pasuk that seems to support them, and neither one of them is specifically denying the other pasuk. So then what's their debate all about? I remind you again that Bet Shammai's name might have some bearing on this discussion. The fact that their name is reminiscent of the heavens and our understanding, generally speaking, of the perspective of Bet Shammai might help us along the line in understanding what's taking place over here. That's the initial question. What is this debate, what disagreement between Bet Shammai and Bet Hila, what's it really all about? Okay, next stage in developing and coming closer to this balancing act that I want to discuss. It's a Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah. We're studying, we're learning Masechet Rosh Hashanah in the mornings. We're just about up to Dafyo Damut Bet. If you learned Dafyo Mi, it was what? A week ago? A week and a half ago? The Gemara records on Dafyo Damut Bet going on to Dafyo Aleph Amud Aleph a mahloket between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hoshua. According to Rabbi Eliezer, the world was created in Tishrei. According to Rabbi Yoshua, the world was created in Nisan. Fascinating debate. I ask you again, are they really debating history? Is that what's taking place, or is there something greater at play? Yes, Joe. Their words, however, certainly are, but Joe, focuses us, although you can't sell me on the focus on creation of Adam, you can sell me on the perspective of what is, hey Dennis, what is creation, right? What is creation? It's creation about divinity, so to speak, Tishrei, that's when we do our Rosh Hashanah, for example, uh, or is it alternatively about humanity? Why would we associate Nisan with humanity? That's Am Yisrael's birth, is of course in Chodesh Nisan, that's Yetziah Misraim, that's the beginning of us as, as a developed humanity. So there is something along those lines already, right? You follow what Joe is suggesting and at the onset. Tishrei is a focus, so to speak, I'll extend it on Shamayim, right? It's a, it's a focus on heavens. It's a Bet Shammai type of perspective. Rabbi was very much affiliated with Bet Shammai. Rabbi Hoshua is a focus on Eretz. It's almost a Bet Hilel perspective. Is that, and we're aligning these two already, yes? Or Tishrei is when God made man, and Nisan is when he gave us the Torah, which is a man in check. But the Torah was not given in Nisan. So that was given in Sivan, right? Okay. Yeah, of course it doesn't work. Nisan is Yisiyah Misraim. Tosafot. What's that? There is, Ran discusses exactly what date Adam was created on. But, uh, you know, in other words, when we talk about the first, when we talk about Rosh Hashanah, even Aleph Tishrei, what does that mean when it says, but the words of the Gemara, as Ran is well aware of, as I know the words, as says Sharon, listen to the words, Hayom Harat Olam, but keep in mind, we don't say Hayom Nivret or Nivraha Olam. Uh, all important things to keep in mind. I will uh, fast forward you to Daf Chavzai, over there, the Gemara is having a specific question about the words in the prayer. There's a question about the specific words in one of the Piyutim and the Tefilot on Rosh Hashanah. And the response of the Gemara is that it follows one opinion with regards to the Bili Ezer and Biyosho, which is difficult, thinks Tosafot. How can you be supporting from our prayer one of the opinions? What about the other opinions? Suggests Rabbeinu Tam. It's a famous statement of Rabbeinu Tam, of Ba'aleha Tosafot. The truth is, says Rabbeinu Tam, uh, both Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua agree one with the other. What are you talking about? One says Tishrei, the other one says Nisan. Says Tosafot, Elu elu Elohim Chayim. Both of these are the words of the living God. Uh, what, what does that mean? Well, let's read his words. Omer Rabbeinu Tam, Elu elu Elohim Chayim, Memar, Lamar, we can suggest, the Tishrei, Ala B'machshava Livrot. It was, Kivyachol, rose to the mind of God, to create the world in Tishrei. ad Nisan. But it wasn't created until Nisan. Now we certainly can already understand this along the Joe lines as well. In other words, so to speak, the divine dimension of creation is implanted in Tishrei. The human dimension, and I'll extend this to the words we've been discussing thus far in previous classes, which I introduced us with as well. It means, so to speak, the Emet and Sheker perspective is the Tishrei realm. The Tov and Ra is the Nisan, yes. Uh, 
Allie. What about time? When was time created? When he created the world in which, because how could you say it was we could. No, that's his question. His question is, when was if time is born with the creation of mass of matter, if Bereshit bara is the creation of time. So he's asking, what's b'tahila There was no time. So you have to understand this conceptually. You need not understand this in a literal sense. You have to understand it conceptually. It's a description of, so to speak, when I reflect backwards, not historically. You're right. I'm. I'm I'm tapping back into a time prior to the existence of time, at least in a way that I could conceive of it. I need to understand this conceptually. When each of these opinions speak about the day which has metaphysically implanted within it the nature of creation, it's either Tishrei or Nisan. The suggestion of Rabbeinu Tam is it's both. Again, that's how you deal with your question. That, that's how you have to. Anytime the Chachamim talk about this, and we'll have another one of How can you have a We're prior to time. That's what it needs to be conceptually understood. That being the case, the truth is, in the Kabbalistic realm, they have a tradition on this, very much along the lines of the words that Sharon mentioned in Piriyetz Chaim, that's a work of Marhur, Bihaim Vital, he's Middayek in the words that we say in the Salah, in the prayer on Rosh Hashanah. He says, we say in the prayer on Rosh Hashanah, Hayom Harat Olam. The description is impregnated. That's the day on which the world was, so to speak, conceived. The world was born forth, perhaps, as Bihayim Vital, on Aleph Nisan. Do you understand the difference between the two? He points to the words. He says, Tishrei shares the letters very closely to Reshit, the beginning of sorts. Nisan is Milashon Nes of sorts, our words, human involvement, human interactions with divine, with existence as we know it. But what has developed then for us in this next segment is that in envisioning these sorts of debates, in understanding what is it when the Hachamim say which one was created first, we shouldn't be so concrete as to thinking that Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel are debating reality. We can and perhaps should suggest on that Mahloket as well in source number three, neither Beit Shammai nor Beit Hillel will specifically disagree about reality support it with Ali furthermore, it's a creation of the beginning of time, it's hard to debate, certainly in our issue over here in source number four, which one comes first, rather it's a conceptual disagreement in which each one grants the other's position, but seems to be leaning in the other direction, so I still am bothered, well, what is this all about? Again, we've made major strides forward. We've stepped forward and understood that as we mentioned, Bet Shamayim Bet of creation of first heavens or first earth, we're understanding that as them each speaking about either humanity, Emet and she, excuse me, Tov and Ra, or Emet and Sheikh, the divine perspective. I'm understanding the Tishrei and Nisan in the same direction. Tishrei is the Emet and Sheikh realm, Nisan is the Tov and Ra, the human dimension of existence. But what is it then that they're disagreeing about? If they do agree, then why do Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel state their opinions differently? In fact, in the Gemara afterwards, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai suggests that it was at once. That's a great suggestion. If you're actually telling me that there is no disagreement, so just call it at once. But for some reason, Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel still dispute this. They won't say it happened at once. Eretz is one perspective, and Eretz V'Shamayim is the other perspective. Again, what's that all about? Well, just a few steps forward, and before we, before we reel it all in, is to, for a few moments, talk about these words which were thrown around by Rabbeinu Tam, which Maharhu repeated, Elu Elu Divrei Elohim Hayim. These and these are the words of the living God, right? It's the Gemara in Masechet Eruvin and Dafyod Gimal Bet, which famously mentions those words. It's in the context of, would you know it, the two of them disagreed for many years. How many years? Three years. There's a significance to that number, but not for now. Until halalo, okay, but halalo omrim halacha kamoteno, halalo omrim halacha kamoteno. They're disagreeing. Halachas like us. The other side says halachas like us. Until a heavenly voice descends from the heavens, comes out, and says. Both of these are the words of the living God. However, halacha. Hard to swallow words. If they're both true, then how could halacha be 
like Bet Hillel. Uh, how, do you, how do you understand that they're both true? If one says kasher, one says tameh, or tahor and tameh, kasher and pasul, so how do you argue that they're both right? How do you even conceive of such a reality? Again, it's words we're using. How do you understand that at all? Famously, Ritva quotes from Chachmei Sarfat. He quotes from the French rabbis the following interpretation. He gives it a very concrete, practical type of description. He says, as we were given the Torah, and again, you need not envision this as actually taking place as much as, in effect, it takes place. God teaches Moshe it all. What do I mean by it all? 49 panim leheter, 49 panim leisur. So he teaches them the whole, he teaches Moshe all the possibilities. Which one's true? They're all true. What do you mean they're all true? That's right, we're talking about God. You're talking about a conflict within the realm of God. You can make the argument for being kosher. You can make the argument for not being kosher. And neither one of them will be a winning argument. But the Gemara says, That's right, in a human domain, which we live in, we follow one of the two opinions. In terms of truthfulness, in terms of the godly, divine domain, well, God taught us at Sinai, these are all tapping into a domain of emet and to put it in our words, in a domain of emet and sheker, elu elu divre eluhim hayim. In a world of human beings, I can't live a conflicted life. I can't do both kosher and non-kosher at once with the same item. So what do I need to do? I need to choose one of the two opinions. That's the suggestion of Ritva from Chachme Sorfat. There's a real depth to that. Again, the argument is that when we seek and when we find truth, it need not be the only truth, even though it appears as if it's, it's, it's ironclad. You can't knock out my opinion, but I can't knock out your opinion either. As a result, they're both true, but if they're both true and they conflict with one another, how's that possible? The answer is divinity. It's godly. Go ahead. Does that mean that there's no objective truth to the That there's no one single objective truth in your truth in the the answer is the answer to your question is yes. The question is how we understand that. In other words, you're asking, so there's no objective truth. That's what the words Elohim Hayim mean. However, however, if and now you follow Bechamai, well then you're doing the wrong thing. But what do you mean? It was true. No, but it's determined within our domain of humanity to follow Betilel. It means we treat the other opinion as false. Yes, we have. I, I, you don't need to go to Beit Shammai and Beit Yilu, a very practical circumstance. How come How come in circumstances where there's pressing need, all of a sudden we take the minority opinion and we throw it at you? Oh, that's your situation? Well, listen, in the letter of the law, you can go like, what do you mean? You told me all the time that's not the halacha. What's that? Rice on Passover is kosher. The Ashkenazim have the Ashkenazim have a humrah on that, but I, you can't. I'm 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 so much more. No, I'm I'm in so much more of a strong realm. I'm talking about it's asur on Shabbat. B'shat adachak it's mutar. Why is it b'shat? Oh, because it's one opinion. One opinion, but everybody disagrees. We never follow the minority opinion. The answer is, but it's not false, is it? Of course, this opens the opportunity for saying, I'm going to be mahmir and everything. Many people are mahmir and everything. Why the mahmir and everything? You just told me everything is true. If everything's true, well, I want to go to the utmost uh, degree of, you can't tell me I'm doing the wrong thing. No, but it's not the majority opinion. So what? It's true still. Okay, I mean, the question is if that's a normative and proper practice or not. I, I, would, I would have to agree with you. We, uh, we, we, we say halakha oftentimes in many circumstances. All all understood. You know, a a longer and more important conversation. I I will tell you, in our for our specific context and our specific discussion, this concept of elu va'elu divrelohim haim needs to tell us the following: that in terms of emet. There is a divine perspective to be had with regards to statements that are proven, with regards to concepts which are proven. 
but wait a second, I have conflicting uh, comments and statements and perspectives, and you tell me they're both true? That's right, they're both true. However, within a practical standpoint, you have to choose. How did then Bet Hillel find one way and Bet Shammai another way? So some might argue, uh, just based on you know, one time like this, another time like that. If you follow their opinions through, you'll notice, generally speaking, not always, one of them leans one way and the other one leans the other way. It's the famous, I said, I've, I've said, mentioned this more than once, they have it transcribed. I don't think I, I, I thought I once heard it, but I couldn't find it afterwards. Haham Vadia Yosef, after he was appointed, I think the chief rabbi in Tel Aviv, his acceptance speech or his coronation speech was how he stands for the Derech Hasfaradim, and the Derech Hasfaradim is the ways of Bet of course. The Ashkenazim, so yeah, they got Bet Shammai, and that's a great ethnocentric uh, approach to the matter. How are we Bet We believe in it's important to be mekil. Oftentimes you will find Bet have the lenient opinion in these sorts of matters. It's for that reason that if you look in source number 9, source number 10, for example, these are two of the Gidoleha Mekubalim from several hundred years ago. Specifically, let's read number 10. Number 10 would be Moshe Cordovero. He was one of Hachmes Sarfat in his book, Pardes Rimonim. I don't know Pardes Rimonim. I perhaps wish I did, but it's, it was cited somewhere. This is Okay, that's where we need to begin. Again, it means we're talking about a debate which has a proper perspective of seeking truth, right? If it's not seeking truth, then you might just be stating something which is false. There is something called false. It's skewing truth, right? Over here. That's the example in Masechet Avot of a machloket, a dispute l'shem shamayim. She'ilel haya nasi ish ha-chesed. The Gemara tells about how Hillel couldn't get angry at anyone, how they tried really hard to get him angry and wouldn't get angry. He was the one with such a fluidity, the Midata Chesed, the lenient approach. Shammai, his personality was very different. He was a lot more rigid. He stood for a deen in that respect. So what it means to say is each of them are discussing Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel not as representatives, presenting one opinion which conflicts with the other, but rather two truthful opinions, a rigid, which is sometimes an appropriate one in our own lives, and then a fluid one, which alternatively is at other times appropriate, who each stand for a different perspective in that respect. Well, where's this leading us? This is leading us, this discussion, in my mind, right back to the Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel we began with. The Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel we began with told us, and again, as we discussed, as we suggested, they couldn't actually disagree about the reality. Each of them has to answer to the other pasuk. The pasukim are a blatant contradiction. What are they referring to instead? Perhaps what they're referring to is a perspective. Whereas Bet Shammai's perspective is a deen perspective, a heavenly perspective. In the heavenly realm, there's a deen, there's a strict letter of the law. That need not take into account humanity as we know it. That doesn't, that's not a realm in a world that we're able to, generally speaking, find ourselves in. That's an emet and sheker realm. Bet Hillel, in contrast, talks about human beings, says let's put edits before in our perspective on how to live life. Again, the question of the class is, how do we balance a perspective of striving toward emet and sheker in a world in which, well, let's, let's be honest, we can't live on, a on an absolute tightrope of emet and sheker. We can't because we live with human beings. The stories I've told, we have to play the politics. We have to humor the other in order to be successful in our relationships, in our relationships with others, relationships with ourselves, relationships with God. So how is it then that we're to, to walk this tightrope of, of existence? Bet Shammai says, in a very rigid fashion. At times, you'll have to be a little bit more fluid. Bet Hillel alternatively say, let's focus first on Eretz. Not to say that one was actually, quote unquote, created before the other. Rather to say, the perspective, the truth is, the Hachamim did this for us already. In the very first Pasuk of the Torah, God's name, which is used, is the whole first Pedic of the Torah is Elokim. The whole second chapter of Bereshit is Hashem Elokim. 
of course, Elohim denotes Din. Hashem, his name, so to speak, is Rahamim. One is rigid, one is Emet and Sheker, the other one is fluid, it's Tov and Ra, it's humanity. So which one was it? Bereshit bara Elohim et HaShamayim ve et And then you have Beherek Bet Pasuk Dalet Biyom Asot Adonai Elohim Eretz Veshamayim. Of course, it's both, but how do I make sense of that? Listen to the words of the Rashi at the very beginning of the Torah. Batehila, initially, remember those words? It arose in the mind of God to create the world with midat hadin. Ra'ah, he noticed, so to speak, that it's not able to be mitkayim, it can exist. he then combined it with midata rahamim. Do you understand what that's describing? That is describing the story of the Torah, the story of our lives. That's describing Gan Eden, a realm of emet and sheker, a batehila ala b'machshava, a potential of truth in terms of life, but then the reality, a banishment from the gun, a life of Tov and Ra. That's what's developing over here. Now the question is, once I'm out of that garden, once I can't and couldn't live in a world of Deen, I'm a human being, I can't live in an absolute world of black and white. I live with colors, I have perspectives, I have feelings, I have emotions, I care about other people. So now how do I live my life in this world? Says Bet Shammai, constantly have in your mind What's that gun we came from? Keep looking up at the heavens. Our name, Sham, Shamaim. Our vision is the divine realm. That's the perspective, that rigid perspective. That's where we're going to step very careful, carefully every step forward. Betilel, in contrast, said, what are you talking about? We live in a world of Tov and Ra. If we live in this world of Tov and Ra, if the world was if by definition God needed to bring his Hashem Elohim, put it together with Din, so he's saying to you, yes, you'll have those moments, you'll have the times where you open Torah, where you see the world in the strict letter of the law, vision of the Torah. But much of your life will need to be seen and refracted through the prism of Tov and Ra, you're a human being. You can arrive at Emet and Jacob, but only if you accept your humanity. Only if you work and develop yourself within this domain. That's the suggestion as to Bet Shemaim Bet Hilel. In fact, go ahead, Bunny. So, this is more, a more complicated way of saying that I found the Elohim, basically. It's the way I'm understanding. I'm understanding the word. I would use different words. I would say Torah Shibikhtav and Torah Shibalpe. Are you comfortable with those words? Yeah, so because I would say Torah Shibikhtav, Harambam almost says this, almost in one context. Torah Shibikhtav is, so to speak, the divine realm. It's a realm, it's a dimension that we can't really relate to in its absolute sense. Harambam, for example, says in the Moreh, in a very famous passage, that Ayn Tahat Ayn, an eye for an eye, is truthfully mamash. That's what you're supposed to do. It's a startling statement because the Gemara tells us that it's not so. Harambam says elsewhere that you're a heretic if you say that way. So what's he stating? The general suggestion is he's describing the potential, the divine potential, the Torah Shibikhtav without Torah Shibalpeh perspective. The dimension that we live in is the one of humanity, how it applies to us. It applies to us in ways different than, quote unquote, it applies to the angelic uh, divine realm. So yeah, I mean, I'd have to use your words. I mean. They would not disagree with everything we're saying. They would just say that we have to constantly be envisioning within a world, and we have to admit to humanity, we have to constantly be reminding ourselves of the rigidity that we should be focused on. It's just a question of absolute focus. Whereas Beti Lil is, uh, is, is a little bit more liberal in, their, in that respect and say, find Emet and Sheker through Tov and Ra. Beit Shammai says, absolutely not. Just for example, a very small example, the Gemara Masechet Beitza, um, what, maybe Daf Tetvav, Daf Tetzayin, talks about the different ways of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel with regards to preparation for Shabbat. Beit Shammai, says the Gemara, would buy, uh, excuse me, not Beit Shammai, Shammai Hazakim would buy food, meat for Shabbat at the beginning of the, of the week, and he would say, this is for Shabbat Kodesh. And then, over the course of the week, he'd find great, better meat, he'd sell or eat the first one, he'd eat the first one and buy the next one, the Chvot Shabbat Kodesh, and so forth. As a result, says the Gemara, you understand what his week was? His week was... Shabbat throughout the week. 
That's what it was. That's what the Gemara says. He was able to. He bought the first thing for Shabbat. When he ate it, he was eating it for Shabbat. Even though he bought the next thing. It's a great plan. What's Betilel Midah He said, Baruch Hashem, I'm able to get to this. I'm living my week. I'm living in this world during the week. When it comes to Shabbat, I'll zone into Emet and Sheker. So it's just a perspective shift. They're not diametrically opposed, but it appears as if they are because they're going to be practicing things very differently as a result of these perspectives. How do we make sense of Beit Hillel? Many people, especially fundamentalists, will tell you, well, Beit Shammai makes so much more sense. How could we in any way accept, I mean, it sounds like we're cheapening things. You're just trying to do this in the human sphere and dimension. That's, you know, that's a cop-out. Of course, I told you, I think the Torah tells us to do so, but what a cop-out. Why should we do it in such a way? There's a well-known Midrash, which I skipped in a previous class, so it's a good opportunity to do it this time, in which the Midrash here in source number 13 says, When God, so to speak, had interest in creating human beings, the first human being, the angels were split. Of course, according to the Midrash, he was nimnach b'malachim, na'aseh adam, for the hachamim in many places, is turning to the angels, asking them their opinion on this. What did the angels say? Well, some said, al uh, Some said he shouldn't be created. Others said he should be created. Why would you say that uh, he should be created? Well, the Pasuk says, uh, excuse me, that, what, what, where do you see this debate? Chesed ve'emet nifgashu, listen to the words, chesed, we'll call that fluidity, emet, rigidity, nifgashu, they encountered one another. The angels of chesed and the angels of emet, imagine them as the embodiment, the conceptual embodiment of each of these guys, came together, they met one another. Sedek v'shalom nashaku chesed amar, for example, chesed, the fluidity, the emet and sheker, the human dimension, yibareh, create human beings, shehu gomel hasadim. Listen to those words. Angels can't be gomel chesed. Angels can't have empathy. They can't really have sympathy. They can't really think beyond themselves about the other and be able to understand the emotional uh, difficulties of the other. Let's create human beings. The other side, emet, the emet in sheker realm, al yibare, don't create human beings. Look at those human beings. They're filled with sheker. That's ridiculous. It's nonsense. So says the Midrash. These dimensions, these realms, these concepts are fighting with one another. And then ultimately speaking, as they're fighting, says the Midrash, citing from another pasuk, Hishlich uh, emet arsa. God takes emet and he throws it down to the ground. One second. And as they continue their debate, uh, says the Midrash at the end, Atem while you guys are fighting, are dealing with this, Kfana'asa Adam, humanity was brought forth. I mean, it doesn't sound all that great for us. Every time you go through a crisis, you can remember our, cre- our initial creation in the eyes of the rabbis was strife with crisis. But ultimately speaking, what's the message of the Midrash? What's the concept of throwing emit down to the ground? Listen to the words again, to edit. Edit is the domain of humanity. The description of the Midrash, I'm certain, although there are different interpretations, goes like this. If you want to seize and find emit at its greatest level, it's an achievement which is done through the process of humanity. You and we can find emet ironically because we live in a world where we're challenged to to seek it out and find it. In a world of absolutes, in the world of the angels, emet is somewhat cheapened. For them, emet is just an inborn reality. For human beings, they realize emet, but maybe they'll get it wrong. If you're truly seeking it, if that's your life in this emet and sheker domain, if your life is within a realm of emet and sheker, of tov and ra, but you're seeking emet, well, ultimately speaking, you'll tap into it, and you'll tap into it in aretz, 
Whereas in Shamayim, it'll be a whole lot more difficult to truly tap into Emet. Well, that being the case, I now bring you back to our second Mahlok, the Mahlok of Eliezer and Biyahoshua. The Mahlok of Eliezer and Biyahoshua about when the world was created. Was it in Tishrei or was it in Nisan? And what we suggested in that Mahlok, and if you recall, is different perspectives. So to speak, a Bet Shamayim, a Bet perspective. I now, I now craft it fully for you. Again, whereas the claim of it being Tishrei is a Bet Shamayim type of perspective, live your life with the, not absolute, but the, the focused perspective of Emet, try to defeat Tov and Ra in an absolute focus on Emet. The other opinion of Nisan, the time of our formation as a nation, as a perspective of embrace the Tov and Ra, and through that, achieve and experience Shabbat. Have the contrast of the week uh, stand forth as you experience Shabbat and think about what came beforehand. The truth is, ironically, or so fittingly, the Torah in its description of Yesiyat Mitzrayim seems to revisit creation of the world. Now, before we, before we read it, before I set it forth for you, I'll explain to you how appropriate it will be. If, after all, in our world, we're to experience the birth of the world, not the conception of the world. Conception of the world, as Marhu said, was in Tishrei. The birth of the world, the world as we know it, the actual existence is a Nisan experience. So it stands to reason that as we go through the ultimate, the Nisan of existence in terms of human experience, we're going to, if you read the Torah carefully, find something having to do with an initial creation. Once a baby is born forth, there's something there that reminds the parents, you're able to see in it, uh, look at the face, and you'll be able to see the parents' complexion in some way or fashion, which means to say, as Nisan is fully actualized in terms of the formation of Am Yisrael, you're gonna have to look there and see in it the creation of the world. What do I mean by that? Well, first and foremost, a derashah and daf yod aleph in Masechet Roshana. It's a derashah appropriately and in context of Rabbi Yehoshua. Rabbi Yehoshua is doresh the pasuk of leaving Egypt, prior to leaving Egypt, Leil Shimurim. Leil Shimurim is the night on which we stayed up. It's the night of Makat Bechorot. What does it mean to be a Leil Shimurim? Nobody is quite certain. Uh, there's an opinion in the Gemara. It's Mishumar Min Mazikin. It's a night on which we are protected by God. Alternatively, the Pesukim in the Torah seem to suggest we have to protect it in some way or fashion. The suggestion of Bioshua is Milashon Ve'aviv Shamaret Hadavar. To be Shomer in our mind means to remember something. This was a date which was remembered or thought about from early on. This date was thought about from early on. From when? Says Rabbi Yoshua, Leil Meshubar what? What does Leil Shimurim have to do with creation? Unless it has everything to do with creation. Again, whereas creation began conceptually, creation began with the divine spark of existence in Tishrei, it's actualized through humanity. It's actualized through Am Yisrael. So already, Rabbi Yoshua tells us, as you think about Yisrael Am Yisrael, think about creation. The Pasuk describes how, in the beginning of creation, there's this Ruach Elohim Merachefet Al Penehamayim. There's this divine spirit or wind in the literal sense, which is hovering above the water. As we begin to leave Egypt, as we're approaching Yamsuf, the Pasuk describes that the Ruach Kadim Aza, that fierce and strong eastern wind moves the ocean. Says Rashbam, when you think about the Ruach Elohim HaMerachefet Al Penei you should be thinking about that same wind. God's ability to move and to create and to craft and to bring forth is manifested in both domains through that wind. I need not go so much further, if I already talked about splitting waters, which is day two of creation, well, you'll understand, of course, Kiryat Yamsuf is a splitting of waters as well. What about creation of light and darkness? Well, the Pasuk describes, as we're sp- walking through the, uh, the Yamsuf, in Shemot Perek Yodal, Pasuk Chav, Vayavo ben Mahane Misraim ben Mahane Yisrael, Vayhi He'anan Vehahoshech Vayair, or Vayair et So what is there at that time? There's some sort of light and darkness. 
the way Rashi interprets it at least, there's light for Am Yisrael and there's darkness for the Egyptians. Do you follow what happened as we moved from the beginning of that wind and the wind splitting waters, we're then uh, in some way tapping into that light and darkness. Of course, Am Yisrael are holechim ba yabasha betoch hayam. If I'm not mistaken, the only places in the Torah where we talk about yabasha are twice by Kiryat Yamsuf and once by the creation of dry land on day three, v'tera eha that's where you'll find that word, the dry lands in the Torah. It's a very clean and direct perspective the Hachamim brought attention to, and the Torah is quite clear, is taking place as you're leaving Egypt. Egypt is the complete actualization of creation. It's the Nisan in its full realization. Nisan is human beings experiencing and living and dominating this world. To summarize what we've hopefully developed successfully thus far, it's freedom in a do- domain of Tov and Ra. It's a freedom of Adam and Hava after the Gan. It's them leaving Egypt. I have a, a, a close student, Raymond Bra, who wrote and discussed much how Egypt has a description in the Torah through many clues of being like Gan Eden. It's Lot's words in last week's parasha. He sees, it's two weeks ago, parasha. He sees Sodom and Amorah. They are Kigan. Hashem, they're like Gan Eden, like Eretz Misraim, but the Torah in many ways seems to bring us back there. That means as you leave Egypt, in a strange sense, your freedom from that is an envelopment in a world of Tov and Ra, right? That's the leaving in from the garden. That's what's taking place again in a very real way, of course, in the month of Nisan. So pulling it all together and concluding, it means that the world in which we have been placed and I say have been placed. The Torah's description is we began in this alternative world, in a world of emet and sheker, a world in which humanity could not progress, could not come to perfection because it was just all laid out in front of them. There was nothing to achieve. There was no emet to be actualized it was just already actualized. We were then thrown out somewhat violently, but it was on our own, uh, on our own volition. We wanted out. Why did we want out? We wanted that challenge of Tov and Ra. We were human beings. We're not angels. And as a result, we want to be in this world of Tov and Ra. We've had the individuals in the Torah who sought to return. It's the Kayins of the Torah. It's the Noah of the Torah, as we discussed. But they quickly understood that's not the direction. Bechamai is not please understand me, is not Cain, nor are they Noah. But their perspective is closer aligned to that. They are living in this world. It's true to be Shimon Bar Yochai is in that cave. But even when he's in the cave, he's still in this world. But the cave he is criticized for implicitly from the Gemara. Bet Shammai, in the fact that the Gemara unequivocally states we don't follow Bet Shammai, it's the statement as well. This is not the appropriate way for people in the world as we know it. Okay, fast forward a lot. We just rewound, now fast forward a lot. Fast forward to, quote, the end of days. Where are we in the end of days? If we've done this right, if this derech etz hayim has been a successful trek, we've trekked through this complicated world of tov and ra, this world of freedom in the world, words of, uh, of Eddie. I've now made my way back to the Gan. I'm back in emet and sheker domain. What am I experiencing then? Quote, unquote, whose opinion am I following then? Of course I'm following the opinion of Bet Shammai. Of course, at that point, it's all Shamaim in front of me, is it not? It's for that reason, source 16 and source 17, there's a tradition both from Arizal and from Gaon Mivilna, two of the very important Kabbalists of several hundred years ago, separated by several hundred years, that in the ultimate time of times, in Yomot HaMashiach, in those end of days, we will follow the opinion of Bet Shammai. For what reason? Well, that is then tapping back into the origin. You've now made your way back into the Gan. In the Gan, you're living a life of Emet and Sheker. What does it mean to live a life of Emet and Sheker? Inconceivable. We can't understand such a life. You want to know why? Because we are human beings. What does it mean to have a Torah in such a domain? 
I can't tell you either. What I can tell you, and I'll return to it, Ralph, what we discussed on, on Sunday, source number 14. Source number 14 is the discussion, the debate, as the rabbis envision it, as they tell it between the angels and God. Why are you giving the Torah to human beings? Give it instead to us. Nonsensical question. Ridiculous. Moshe has to respond to that. Open the Torah. The Torah deals with life in this world. Angels don't live in this world. The Torah deals with difficulties, with challenges. They don't live in that. How could the Torah possibly be given to the angels? You needed Moshe to respond. The Midrash is almost a, almost a silly Midrash. What sort of claim is that? What's the Hava Amina, to put it in other words, of the Malachim, the suggestion of many and I, I, I was mechaven to it during the summer, is that that's a description of an aharita yamim Torah. There is potential latent within our Torah for an emet and sheker world as well. Which means to say we can't understand it, we can't really wrap our heads around that because we live in a world of Tov and Ra. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in the words of Arizal, quoted by Malbim, for example, was studying, quote unquote, a different Torah than you and I know. What do you mean a different Torah? He was dealing with a Torah of the angelic realm. What do you mean of the angelic? What's that? Haye olam haba, yemota mashiach. Use any of those words, all words which are hard to wrap our heads around, but it means a time which in no way is similar to this time. And as a result, it means the Torah, quote unquote, of that time, although, although identical in terms of potential to the Torah we have now, is actualized in an altogether different way. Ralph pointed out to me on Sunday, I have to finish that thought. I have to finish it with the Midrash and Masech and Menachot. The Midrash and Masech and Menachot describes how Rabbi Akiva is the continuer of Halachal Moshe Misinai. What are you talking about? Bunny said earlier, Rabbi Akiva is the one we can relate to. Rabbi Akiva is the one who lives the life as we know it. He applies Torah to the life in this world. Moshe is Alita Lamarom Shavita Shevi. You're up in the upper the supernal realms. We can't understand your ways, Moshe. You don't relate to us. You relate to Emet and Sheker. You don't relate to Tov and Ra. What does the Gemara say? Moshe walks into this classroom, listens to Biakiva's class, and he can't understand what's going on. At my words for that, are you kidding me? You've cheapened it. You've turned Emet and Sheker into this silly thing of dealing with people of Tov and Ra. That's what Torah is to you? Applying it to this funny world? That's all unideal. Until Rabbi Akiva responds to his students when they ask him, where'd you get that from? And he answers, it's true. We live in a Tov and Ra world, Rabbi Akiva is saying. But... What we're seeking within this world is the emet and sheker. We can't just be Rashbi. We can't just be Bet Shammai, in which our perspective, our goal, our perspective, and that which everything's refracted through is that divinity is Shabbat throughout the week. We have to live the world throughout the week. We're seeking what's that? It's true. It's true. Has. It, not fully, but I can't do it right now. I, I, I accept the question, and I was expecting it on Sunday from you. Um, I, I, but I, no, you didn't ask it on Sunday. I was surprised about that. I've given thought to that, and I have, I have, I have a direction for it for another time. Uh, just to conclude it all with the Gemara, the well-known Gemara in Masechet Pesachim here, uh, the, the first source on uh, page three, uh, the second source on page three. The Gemara in Masechet Pesachim and Dafnun describes, it quotes a pasuk we know from Alein in the future, in the end of days, God's name will be one. Atu, are you telling me in our world God's name is not one? That's ridiculous. How could you say that? That's heresy. God doesn't have a singular unified existence and name in this world. Says the Gemara, you should know. Um, for example, uh, in this world, we say on good things, uh, we say, Baruch HaTov On bad things we say, Baruch Dayan HaEmet. In the end of days, it's all going to be HaTov HaMetif. What do you mean? In the end of days, there's this breadth of understanding. There's this end of this process in which the human beings have to sift through Tov and Ra. It's going to be envisioned as all Tov. That's the Emet, after all. Similarly, in this world, we won't pronounce God's name the way it's written. 
What will we say about Yodke Vavke? We'll say Adni. We don't read his name as it's written. You don't read my name and such. In the end of days, what are you talking about? You can't have a conflict of sorts. You need to read my name exactly as it is. What is that concept? The concept is quite simple. I can read something and say it with my mouth, if I'm being a truthful person, if I can fully relate to it. In this world, I can't fully relate to God in his Yodke Vavke manifestation. I can relate to him as I understand him. I'll call him Adni, I'll call him my master. I can't call him by his personal name. I'm not, that, I'm not on a first name basis with him. There's a time during which it's manifested throughout. It's a time, again, impossible, not hard, impossible to wrap our heads around because it's a time where conflicts and contrasts cease to exist where Tov and Ra is just some sort of creativity of human beings. There is no Tov and Ra. What do you mean there's no Tov and Ra? I'm trying to sift through Tov and Ra all the time. No, it's all Tov. How could you argue it's all Tov? Okay, I can have certain perspectives within this life, but that's the end of day's ex- existence. That's the end of day's, the Becha, my time. So to piece it all together and to come full circle, this balancing act, which is no simple task, is the life that we live. So we've been injected into a world of Tov and Ra, into a world of humanity, into a world of freedom, which which comes with responsibility, which comes with process, which comes with the difficulties of seeking out, searching for, and finding that derech etz hayim. How do you find it? Can I just zip my way into it? Alternatively, can I hide myself away in order to find it? The general perspective of the hachamim, if not the constant perspective is, you will not be successful doing so. Halacha You cannot follow, the Mishnah tells us in Masechet Berachot about Rabbi Tarfon, if I'm not mistaken, you can't follow Bet Shammai. You put yourself into death's way and you were hayav mitav for doing so. What do you mean? I just wanted to seek out a myth and shaker. Not so fast. You live in a world of humanity. Start talking to people. Start experiencing life. Start tapping into your emotions. That's the way you're going to tr- find it as a human being. You can't just zip into a shamay, a shamayim. By definition, shamayim is shamayim. I have to have the risa of audits in order to make my way there. I have to sift through and struggle with Tov and Ra, and ultimately speaking in some perspective, in some end of day's vision, when, in our words, it's game over, that's when, that's when, quote unquote, until then, absolutely, absolutely, we can have glimpses of it from now, the batehila ala b'machshava is on Shabbat once a week. That's the description of Perek Bet of Bereshit. It's Adonai Elohim. It's not just Hashem. God's name is Hashem Elohim. There's still Elohim appended to it. There is still Din. There is still Shabbat. There is still Torah. There is still Mishkan. There is still those moments of absolute clarity, of rigidity. There are the individuals who will live that rigid lifestyle as well. Rabbi Akiva, my... Correct, correct. And that is, ultimately speaking, I repeat and I conclude with this, the debate of Be'et Shammai and Be'et Ileil. The question is, yes, there's times for one and times for the other. What's the general perspective? Says Be'et Ileil, the general perspective is audit. We live in the audit. The perspective of Be'et Shammai is, but we're striving for the Shammaiim, so let's keep that in the forefront of our mind. It's the same discussion and debate of Rabbi Ezra and Bi'oshu. I don't know that they are disagreeing in the same way, but they're speaking to the same concepts. One says the world was created in Tishrei, the other one says the world was created in Nisan. Says Rabbeinu Because that's what it's all about. It's about that schism. It's about living and understanding. Well, on the one hand, this was all germinated, so to speak, in the divine realm prior to the creation of time, prior to the existence of time. However, the way we experience it is in the Nisan realm. It's for that reason as well. The Torah brings us back to creation in Nisan to tell you this is where creation will be conceived by human beings. We will find that emet in Sheker in this balancing act by struggling with and spending our time endeavoring within that realm of Tov and Ra. It's through the Tov and Ra, through the emotions, through the perspectives of humanity which we were all given 
sin, which we strove to achieve, which we ran from when we didn't have so, it's ironically from the vatashlech emet arsa, the throwing of emet downward, the potential latent in elu elu divrei Elohim hayim, to be discerned by the betileu, by the midat hachesed, by the human perspective to halacha, to life in this world. Baruch Adonai Amen ve